You're doing the thing, all right? <laughs> oh, that was a goodie. I've got, I've got another goodie to talk about. Welcome to Art Cinema Fart Cinema Goodies. I'm Simon. No, no, I'm not. I'm Nadim. And I'm Nadim. No, no, I'm not. I'm, not. I'm Simon. <laughs> I actually was the honest mistake there. I was too busy just looking at your. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it wasn't even a meme. That was just an accident. Uh, this is uh, Art Cinema Fart Cinema Goodies. Uh, the. Look uh, <laughs> at that again. Oh, yeah, we talk about it's a good many, film. many episodes in which we recommend good films in between the seasons of the main show in which we talk about the sh ones. Like Wicker Man. Oh, like, no, yeah. That like was the good. Wicker Man, which yeah. was actually good. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so What's your recommendation for us this week, Cy? My name is Simon, and I really like a film from 1974, I think, mm-hmm. uh, called Black Christmas. Black Christmas? Black. I thought it was White Christmas. But this is Black Christmas oh. by Bob Clark, more famous for making an 80s comedy called Porky's. Oh. Uh, but I, you know, Porky's isn't actually that good. I haven't seen it. I just, I'm uh, just going. Oh, Black Christmas is so often called the first American slasher film, like the film that gives Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth got got them rolling. They're kudos. Yeah. POV from the point of view of the killer. <laughs> POV way. from the point. Of view. POV means point of view, Simon. POV from the killer. Heavy breathing, who's he going to kill next? Oh, baby. Sort of thing. Yeah, it's uh, Black Christmas is a film where it's set in a sorority with a whole bunch of girls at Christmas time. And uh, when one of them becomes a missing person case, people start out a little bit worried and then it gets a little bit more, you know, what the hell's going on? And it's uh, not a spoiler to say this because the film opens with the killer POV climbing up the wall and into the attic of the house. Uh, and they've been receiving obscene phone calls as well so they've got the obscene phone call then the missing person and the police are just like scratching their heads like nothing's too serious there but uh, it kind of it's a building of tension as the day progresses more people disappear more obscene phone calls happen and the obscene phone calls they're kind of raised to the sort of level of performance art almost. The guy like goes into strange voices and uh, the, I think that three or four people actually contribute to like the, the sounds that are made. <laughs> it's a little bit like in Home Alone where Kevin uses the tape recorder to uh, fake the adult voice. That's uh, right, on yeah. The, on the phone, remember that? Yeah. What money? Well, you kind of need to pay for your pizza, sir. Uh-huh. You know, just like that, except it's actually the director and an actor and one other guy pretending to be one obscene phone caller. And the phone calls are really, really bizarre. The um, the actresses didn't know exactly what was going to be being said to them when oh. they watched the film. When they watched the film, they were like, I'm glad that I didn't hear that because that's really shocking. Oh, so it was added and in afterwards. Yeah, they, they're, re- <laughs> they're reacting to it. Once, no, there's one girl that looks really worried and really, and then it'll pan to the next one and she's kind of like smirking about it. You know, this, this, this guy's going to be like, I'm going to tear your coat open and stuff like that. Jesus you know? Christ. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So um, it's a horror film. It's like, it's, it's, like it's a, a horror movie. Is it gory? It's not gory at all. People remember. It's one of those films that people will remember it being gorier than it actually is. But it's is. no, aye. 
Also, this is a film that most people who watch it for the first time don't really think that there's much to it and they kind of go, well, whatever. And then something will drag you back, your memory of it, that that was quite odd, and then you'll watch it a second time and it'll occur to you in a very sort of serious and stark way that it is actually incredibly well filmed. Ooh. Like the filmmaking is really great. I actually like the look of this film specifically. It's been color. I think it's been color corrected in a way that's quite unique to make uh, all of the blacks very flat, like the black shapes of people's clothing and hair and stuff. It's like sheet black. Okay. And black is a dominant color in the screen all the time in a way that you know isn't just it wouldn't generally happen in any other film. Yeah. You just you look at several frames. And nearly always, there's just like a lot of flat black there, so it's almost a monochromatic film, even though there's uh, saturated colours in there as well. It's kind of manages to be a saturated colour film and a monochromatic film. Very bizarre really? look, and uh, the camera movements and all of that are insanely inventive. And basically, this is a film that uh, you will probably think is mediocre at best the first time you watch it, and the second time, I felt and. All the documentaries that kind of, you know, the the legacy of the film and stuff. Because this is one of those films that, you know, every year they'll do like the panel discussions with the the cast and stuff. And people show up like absolutely like... So is this a big cult film? It's a big cult film. I've never heard of it before. Yeah, so I think it suffers because of that thing of it's, it's not going to hit you how great it is the first time you see it. Uh, so it's kind of a slow burning in your mind after the film's played kind mm. of uh, for its, in terms of what's actually special and creative about it. Uh, the characters in it, uh, so it's got Margaret Kidder's in there as like a really sassy... Yeah, she's in there. She's a really sassy, uh, heavy drinking, foul mouthed sort of, you know, got a really, really crass sense of humour on her. Sorority girl. Yeah, totally. Uh and she, yeah, she, there's a really funny moment where she's talking to like a, the the worried father of the disappeared girl, and she just like goes up to him, all pissed, like drunk, staggering around, and goes, "Do you know that there's a sea turtle that humps for three days solid, boom, 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 doesn't stop humping? I can barely last ten minutes, really, like that, you know, you know <laughs> sort of thing." Yes, so it's filled with like great sort of bizarre characters that go off on, you know, it's a horror film. But it's also sort of weird, inventive, independent film as well. Mm, okay. And actually, in terms of its connection to Halloween, Bob Clark met John Carpenter. John Carpenter was a fan of Black Christmas, and and, and he'd made Dark Star. He'd been like a film student and all that, mm. and maybe even made uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen by that time. So John Carpenter, filmmaker himself, goes up to Bob Clark, all kind of film geeky and con, goes, oh, I really like your film Black Christmas. You know, not in that voice, because that's not what John Carpenter sounds like. <laughs> he goes, well, I really like that film Black Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, if you ever, you know, would you ever do a sequel to that? And Bob Clark says, no, 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 no. This is the last horror film I'm ever going to do, because he's done a couple of other low-budget things that were horrors. This is the last horror film I'm going to do. But if I was to make a sequel, I would probably set it around Halloween and just have it that uh, that the <gasps> character gets out again and oh. uh, and goes after the same group of people. So this is what inspired Halloween. And John Carpenter must have heard that and gone, well, you know what? Maybe I could just do that film, but without the connection to Black Christmas. So yeah. would you say that that's just he's just stolen it? Then? No, 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 I wouldn't go that far. 
because uh, you know that this is this is life. You know, he he, he got an you know, there was a nugget of an I idea. I say stolen there. in a kind of in a kind yeah. of lighthearted way. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a gem of an idea there, and he knew that Bob Clark wasn't making it. So, so it was he was like, like, "Game on, Halloween time, baby!" Absolutely, Halloween. It's going to be a guy that gets out, and we're going to talk about the backstory rather than having seen a previous film. Yeah, 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 totally. That's cool. So I mean, I didn't make the connection when you said Black Christmas and slasher, but I guess. Like oh, ho- holiday mean, event, Friday thirteenth, yeah. Friday the thirteenth, My Bloody Valentine. They're all these the films would they all would they all be named that way if it wasn't for Black, Black, Black Christmas. Christmas? Hey, that's cool. And most of these films, a lot of them actually had working titles, and then they they figured out which holiday they were going to connect it to. Oh. You know, My Bloody Valentine. I can't remember what it was. But uh, there's cool. there's documentaries on this this Blu-ray of Black Christmas I've got, and they actually you know they talk about the working titles of of other horror films, and the My Bloody Valentine directors in it talking about how basically I stole this and I I stole that. <laughs> <laughs> I lifted this from this, and you know don't borrow steel. It's more honest kind of thing or something. Know, yeah. Was it? It's like. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. Is that right? Is that maybe, like, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, no, I think Black Christmas is a film that I'd recommend to a lot of people. I mean, it's a bit of a weird one because I'm basically telling you that you might not like it the first time you watch it, but give it a wee bit of a... <laughs> give it a couple of days' thought and then like watch it again <laughs> two like, months later. It's like when your dad hands you a beer and goes, oh, you'll like it one day, son. You'll, you won't like it right away, but one day you're going to be addicted and then it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Sex. Thank <laughs> you.